Greetings, everybody. It's a great blessing for me to come to you in this webcast today of Dynamic Love Ministries, where we faithfully bring you the gospel of His grace, the divine influence of God upon the lives of human beings, bringing them to the very life of God, wherein who God is is our inheritance and where we share in the fullness of who He is, where holiness and love and kindness and goodness comes forth as a result of his life in us and not our own works. Glory to God. I want to welcome everybody that is watching for the very first time as well as our faithful viewers. It's good to have you here and to serve you with the gospel of his grace. Today I'm going to be preaching from Romans chapter 6, just one or two verses and explain that in the, in the light of the last verses of Romans chapter 5. We are in a series where we are going through Romans verse by verse. But before we get in, into any of that, let us just pray together. Father, I want to thank you so much that we can be here together. <clears throat> thank you so much for your love and your kindness and your goodness. Thank you that I can come to the end of this year and look back and see how you have once again just been faithful in sharing your life with us, wherein everything that came forth is a result of your grace and your goodness and your kindness and not our works. Thank you for your faithfulness, O God. And in this message today, thank you that you empower me to preach powerfully and bless people's lives greatly. Amen and amen. Today is our last service in this year uh, for a Sunday service uh, webcast. Uh, there will be other messages and I will share a video of of videos basically every day and uh, updates on how our trip to Zambia is going. Uh, but this Sunday is our last service, Sunday service for this year. We will pick it up again next year. Uh, so I would like to use this opportunity to thank everybody that has supported this ministry this year. Many of you have supported Dynamic Love Ministries in listening to the messages and allowing us to serve you. You know, it's wonderful to preach and know that there are people that slot in on Sundays. When we look at our live webcast and we see uh, computers there, you know, logging in, people logging in, knowing that uh, people are sitting as families, some people just as individuals, some as home groups, watching these messages. It is so good to serve you and thank you for allowing us to be your servants and to serve you. Many people have asked me, Bertie, you know, the, the, the things that you share, the messages that you get, you know, uh, how do you get to the revelation? What do you do to understand the Bible and the way you understand it and all those kind of things? And my answer is simply this, God has gifted certain people uh, with an understanding and an insight, a gift of knowledge or a gift of wisdom or a, a gift of whatever the Bible calls it. And that is not for the blessing of the person. Uh, it is for the body whom God wants to serve, making me a servant of you. So I can serve you with this good news. So I want to thank you for allowing me and that which God has done in me and Elena to, uh, to find its place in your hearts uh, and to see the fruit of the gospel that comes forth. Thank you for serving us in that way. And then I want to thank people that has served us and blessed us again 
in and being part of this ministry by sharing our messages on Facebook and on YouTube. People that take the boldness. I know a lot of my messages are very radical, uh, but you take the boldness to like the message on Facebook or to share it or to share it on YouTube, to share a link or to place a comment where others can see that you've liked it and you've, uh, you are pro this and it might cause uh, some difficulty for you among some friends because you've made a stand for the gospel of grace. Uh, to others, it just causes spreading of the gospel and people here and more people come and are, is added to the web family. Uh, so yeah, everything that you've done in, 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 uh, in allowing us to share, uh, to serve you and you sharing the messages, I want to thank you for that. Then I want to thank people that has supported Dynamic Love Ministries faithfully through the years and again through this year. Thank you so much for supporting us financially. Uh, your finances has made it possible for me not to work a normal job and give uh, most of my attention to a work where I have to serve customers and or work for a boss or something like that, but where I could give my undivided attention to the study of the scriptures and the word and to minister the gospel to you and to others. So I want to thank you for your giving from people that give a faithful $10 a month to people that give larger amounts or once a year. Thank you so much. It made it possible for me to, for me and Eliana, to minister the gospel, to keep this whole ministry running, to pay salaries and do whatever needed to be done. Even our trip where we're going to Zambia now, thank you for people that give towards uh, what, what God has placed upon our hearts and that you are part of this ministry. It is about teamwork. It's about a body working together. Uh, I am maybe a, a voice uh, teaching leaders and going out doing some evangelism and you have a, a, a job or some ministries that are supporting Dynamic Love Ministries. Thank you so much, you know, and as a team we, we work together and by your giving you are involved in the spreading of the word and also not just involved in that, but it is taking part and sharing in the very life of God, in knowing what it feels like to be generous and to have the grace of giving. And then lastly, I want to thank everybody that has prayed for us. You know, um, like any other person in this world, we have good times and sometimes we have some difficult times. And those people that has faithfully prayed for us and write uh, some encouraging messages to us or let us know if a message has blessed you or have a question, uh, you know, with from a perspective of wanting to know more and loving us, uh, especially those that have prayed for us and encouraged us through private messages in Facebook and even on YouTube and so forth. Thank you so much. It means a lot uh, for us. It, it just touches our hearts to know that there are people that feel the same about this and that you, as I carry you in my heart and as Elena carry you guys in her heart, I know and Elena knows that you are carrying us in your heart. That just is such a great blessing. Amen. Now today we're going to get right into the message. We're not going to do a communion service. I'm going to get right into the message and I'm going to preach from Romans chapter 6. Now you will see in your notes, I didn't put Romans chapter 6 there. And just before I sit down to make this message, 
And I was just going through my message again and I just feel felt that uh, it's going to be too long before I get into Romans chapter 6 verse 1 because that's only going to be in the beginning of next year in January. So uh, I thought let me rather, and, and I, I was scared that we're going to lose context. So I thought let us just get into the first one or two verses of Romans chapter 6 and then go to the notes that you have received and we will then explain those. Now let us read Romans 6 verse 1. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And then verse 2, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many as um, of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried, buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, when we read this passage, uh, many times we just brush it down as, well, Paul has just said some wonderful things in Romans chapter 5 about uh, through the obedience of one, many shall be made righteous and so forth. Now he comes in Romans chapter 6 verse 1 and he says, well, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Simply as a thing of, well, uh, shall we now continue to go and misbehave so that grace may abound? Then God forbid, and then we basically as grace preachers or as preachers explain it this way, those who are under grace don't want to sin anymore. Uh, the bad, you don't want to do the bad anymore. You want to do the good now. Now that is a very shallow understanding of the passage and completely out of the context of what is written, although it includes a holy life. Paul is talking about something a little bit different here and I would like to explain it in its context. Now, I'm going to come with a punchline right away and say to you what I'm going to say today. Romans 6, 1 says, But shall we continue... But what shall, shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You will see that it doesn't say continue to sin. It says continue in sin. In the Afrikaans it says, Salons dan onder die sonde blij. means shall we remain under sin. It's talking about a rulership and a power that is over us. It's not talking about what we are doing every day in committing sins. It talks about the oldness of the letter and then the newness of life. What this passage actually means is Paul is having the whole Jew-Gentile thing in mind. And if you have followed our teachings from Romans chapter 1 all the way up to now Romans chapter 6, you will see that Paul had a massive uh, task in showing to the Jews that they were not the special people of God, but that they were actually a message to all the people which are the people of God and that they are also included into the people of God. And what Paul was doing all the time from Romans chapter 1 verse 17, he was using the wrath of God to explain that grace is for all people. And he went on into chapter 2, into chapter 3, chapter 4, talking about Abraham and how grace came, chapter 5, which we are busy with now, talking about how this grace abounds unto many. Many means not just one nation, but all nations. But the question then is, shall we then continue as Jews? Shall we continue to be people that, uh, that Judaize the Gentiles? 
And then he says, um, and he calls that basically, shall we continue under sin? When he talks about continue in sin, he's saying, shall we continue to identify to God from the perspective of the flesh, which is Jew-Gentile? What this would have meant to many preachers of that day is, shall we continue to circumcise the Gentiles? And shall we continue to teach the law? Wherein sin abounds, wherein it is shown by the law that man cannot live by his own power and that there is a greater problem than the disobedience of a commandment, but the underlying problem is actually mortality. Shall we continue in that place? Other words of another way of saying this would be, Paul could just have said, shall we continue under the Jew-Gentile system? Or shall we continue to say that the Jews are the light of the world and not the Gentiles and Judaize the Gentiles? Shall we continue in that system where that is prevalent? He says no. Uh, Paul basically calls the system of the law a system of sin where we are living under the power of sin. That I can boldly say should, um, in the light of the following chapter, which is chapter 7, where Paul talks about being married to, the, to, to death through the law and bearing the fruit of death in the body, where he explained what he's saying in chapter 5 and 6 clearly in Romans chapter 7. But we will still get there. So what I am, believe, Romans 6 says, but it says, shall we continue, what shall we say then? Shall we continue with uh, finding the Jews as the special people of God and we look up to them and they are the light of the world and that old system, it, it, that grace may abound. And we're going to look at what that truly means in the scripture when we talk about the abounding of grace, or we can say grace may abound, means that we can see that the influential power of God is greater than the inability of man. It says, God forbid. God is ending the old law system. There's no room for it anymore. Shall we continue under the law or shall we bring more people in under the law? God forbid. Uh, don't you know that uh, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And when Paul comes and he talks about people being dead to sin, he is referring to the resurrected Jesus and he's referring to not see, seeking identity by ethnicity or by your people group. So what he is saying here, he says, how can we who've been baptized into Christ, which means that all people are equally bound by sin and death, how shall we now uh, continue to embrace a system of sin and death, which is to find uh, specialness in the flesh? That's what he says. He says, no, you're not that as many as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. Last week, we clearly spoke about this, talking about the communion as well. Please do yourself a favor and go and listen to last week's message. You've got this whole holiday ahead of you, or in South Africa, December is more of a holiday time. But you've got the whole of December and the holidays in front of you. For those of you that are in the U.S., maybe not so many holidays during December, but you have some time. Go and listen to last week's message. Go and see what I said there and say to God, God, I want understanding. So what he's saying here, he says, uh, when we were baptized into his death, what it simply means is that the Jew 
and Gentile, whoever we are when we came to believe in Jesus, we became disciples of the death of Jesus. What that means is, that's what baptized into means. We became disciples of the death of Jesus. And our communion, when we take communion in his blood or drink the communion, our communion is in, our communion is in the fact that all people groups, both Jew and Gentile, have the ruling power of death over them in the flesh. And there's no one good as pertaining to their ethnicity, as pertaining to their culture group or any of that. No one is good. Uh, the only good thing unto life is God. Now by that I'm not saying that people aren't valuable. All people are valuable, but they are not good to produce eternal life. Uh, no one of them is. Nobody. Nobody can produce eternal life without God. So the point that I'm making, and let us try and summarize this. Paul is saying that we shall not continue to live under the law where the ruling power of death is shown uh, as the true power under which both people groups are. We that have been baptized into Christ have now already acknowledged that in the flesh is no life. And that be you a Jew or a Gentile, there's no life in it. So what he's saying is, why shall we continue under the old system that only shows forth our inability? He says we shall not continue because we have now, when we're baptized, acknowledged that our, in our flesh is nothing good and nothing unto life. It's only unto death. Jesus entered our death and when he was raised from the dead, we've got the hope of the newness of the rule of life where we lived under the old rule of death. This is what this passage means. Uh, we have so many times, and we, we're going to get into Romans 5 now, but so many times looked at this passage that says, under grace we don't want to sin anymore. Which is, <laughs> uh, grace didn't bring a, I don't want to sin anymore to believers. That is not true. Paul says even when he was under the law, the good that he wanted to do, he could not do. He, he could not. It is just impossible. So that means that even when people were not under grace, they want to do good. The problem is how to do good, they don't know. They cannot reach it by the law. So to say that a grace means you now want to do good is not truly true. You can go to any person under the law. You can go to Buddhists. You can go to people uh, that, that is, that is uh, uh, in Islam. You can go to uh, Hindus. You can go to people. Of, you can go to atheists. If you ask them, and even if you put them on a lie detector, do a polygraph test on them, you're going to see that they want to do good. But they don't know how to perform it. That is the problem. So to say that the scripture in Romans 6, 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue, continue in sin that grace may abound? Simply means that, well, now that we're under grace, we would not want to do any uh, bad. That is a, I wouldn't say even a shallow representation of that passage that is not a representation of what is written in that passage at all the context is the law the context is different nations and people groups that are all found in death and sin and Paul is simply saying here in a different way using different words but what he is saying is simply saying now that we know all these things now that one is through the obedience of one all people have access unto eternal life 
by obedience to Christ, which is faith. What shall we then say, and the context now would be, about the law and about what we came out of? All that we can say is, shall, first question is, shall we continue with the old law and Judaism and honoring the Jews and all that? Shall we continue with that? He says, God forbid. God forbid that. God stops that. God stops that whole thing. And because God is stopping that whole thing, God is also stopping and forbidding the fruit of the flesh in our lives, which I've preached on in previous messages as well. I don't want to get too much into that right now, but uh, we will get a little bit later in the message. But we can see here that the true context of this passage, in the light of Romans 4 and 5, is not, shall we continue to go and smoke a cigarette or drink a wine? Uh, no, the context is, shall we continue to live with a law system? Shall we still honor the old, the way we used to do? He says, God forbid, don't you know that those who have died to sin um, cannot live any longer therein? So we, when we're baptized in Christ, we would say, we said that, the, the fruit of the flesh and living by the law, be you a Jew or a Gentile, amounts to nothing. And we are baptized into what Christ has baptized into, meaning that the end of all of that is just death. So we are saying that is just death. And we are entering into the death of Christ. So that as Christ was raised from the dead, not by obedience to the law, but by the Holy Spirit raising him, that we can now have the newness of the rule of the power of the resurrection, which is the rule of life. Uh, it is a little bit technical, but um, we'll, I'll give it my best shot. Right, let us go into our notes. And I'm going to start off by... Um, by, by, by taking Romans 5, 12 and going verse by verse through it. Let me just summarize this again. So if you just get this, you're going to get the, the, the punchline of today's whole message. All I want to say today is Romans 6, verse 1, simply says, shall we continue under the law and under the old Jew-Gentile system as what many of the church people today are continuing, even grace people, Sad to say there are still grace people today that are honoring Israel as a nation. Honoring certain nations. Now, I do believe, and, and before you switch off, let me say this. I do believe you can honor a nation. I can honor the Afrikaner. I can honor the English. I can honor the German. I can honor the Russian. I can honor a nation. I can even feel called towards a certain people group. That I don't have any problem with. If you as a church, as a grace church, say, let us honor Israel because God has put it in our heart to honor that nation, to help them, uh, in, 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 the, in the very same way people can have another vision for another nation. But if that's what you have because you feel it laid upon your heart, good for you, glory to God, we will even support that. Where I have a problem is if you say, well, we're going to honor Israel as a nation because if we honor Israel as a nation, there's a special blessing in that and a special honor in that and that they are actually the true people of God and we are now engrafted into them that and that's how they are the true people we are not the true people we are we are now also seen as true people but we're the extended family but we're not the true family 
if you say that, I want to say to you, you are uh, continuing uh, to live in sin. That's what, it, what I'm trying to communicate. Romans 6, 1 basically says, shall we continue to live in a place where we honor people groups? No, we shall not. Why do I say that? Because of Romans 5 and the whole context of Romans 5, which says that all nations are now, I mean, the disobedience of one brought death to all nations. So the obedience of one brings life to all nations, making of the all one new man. And the new man that stands before God is the man that is just a sinner that cannot live by his, power, by his own power. And there was a group that said, I can live by my power, the Jews. And then another group which tried to live by foreign gods and whatever. And God says, well, both of these are sinners. Let me become sin. The Messiah dies. The sin of people away was raised up so that these two people, Jew and Gentile, can just become one new man. And the new man is not, I'm a Jew or I'm a Gentile. The new man is, you are a sinner. All of you, and this new man is now reconciled unto God by the work of Christ and not his own works. That is what this whole thing is, is all about. Uh, you'll have to rewind and listen again to see the depth of this. But I want to say this. Um, I found that it's very easy to put a short message that gets you through the day on Facebook or on YouTube and get a lot of people liking that. But that is like um, changing nappies every day, you know, giving you hope for the day. I'm not trying to give you hope for the day. I want you to understand the depth of the gospel so that you have hope for all your life. So that wherever you go, if you never get a blessing word of the day, that you carry the life of God inside you from the foundation of understanding that is the that is the purpose okay so romans 5 12 wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for all have sinned by one man in the notes here all humans including the gentiles were placed under the rule of death and it could be seen by the sin manifesting in all people groups leading them unto death so in other words what he is saying here he says as by uh, one man's sin entered the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. What that passage means, we've read it wrongly for so many years. We've said, you see, everybody has sinned. Therefore, death has passed upon everybody. If you study the, 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 the construct of the sentence and the words, what is and the what is being said after Romans 5 into Romans 6, further explained into Romans uh, uh, 7 and 8, we find that what he's actually saying here, he says that as by the disobedience of one man, sin, sin, which is man living by his own fleshly system, entered the world. And so death, which is behind all of this, has now uh, passed upon all men for sin is manifesting in everybody. So what is this sentence? Taken from the Greek, translated, I would have translated it completely differently. Uh, I would have said it this way. I'm just going to quickly try and paraphrase this. It says, wherefore, as by one man, 
who came under the rule of death, sin manifested and entered the world. And this death eventually then manifests in all people. And so death has enforced its rule on all and we can see it because all people is having sin in their lives. So what Paul, and we find that in Romans chapter 3, 4 and 5, he's saying, when people, the Jew and the Gentile, are both sinners. Why are they sinners? It's because they are under the rule of death. That is what he's saying. It, now he says, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. So until the law, sin was already in the world. Why? Because death reigned from Adam to Moses. And sin was already in the world. But this sin that was committed was not imputed to death. It was not said that the reason why people sin is because they are dying. That is, it was not imputed. Neither was the weakness of the flesh imputed to man as you solve it now. So, when we look at and, and, and please try and stick with me here. I'm giving it my best shot to explain this. He's saying that man, when Adam disobeyed, what did God say to Adam? Adam, don't eat of this tree because you will die. So what was he saying? If you eat of this tree, you'll be under the rule of death. What would death bring forth? Death would bring forth the inability of the flesh called sins. And these sins will lead people to eventually physically die. Again, the rule of death, you're, gonna, you're under the power of your own mortality. Your own mortality brings forth fruit of mortality. And this, as you live in this fruit of mortality, you see eventually the mortality coming forth. That's what he's basically saying in Romans 5.12. And he's saying that is true for both Jew and Gentile. Death reigned from Adam unto Moses and sin was already there but sin was not imputed to the true origin of the sins the true origin of the sins was man's mortality his, his death his ability not to live forever his temporalness was the true problem now that's also very important to understand we're going to see that by the law was added that sin might abound when you get down to verse 21 but so Verse 13, for until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed unto death, or sin is not reckoned as the manifestation of death in us. That's it. In the context was explained in chapter 7. I'm not going to read all of the notes there. Please get that. It will bless you. Uh, Romans 5, 6, it says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. But God commanded his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he says that sin is living in your strengthlessness. So we are mortal. Mortal means you don't have the strength to produce eternal life. So while we were strengthless, not having the ability to produce eternal life, while we're not good by our own works, which is also called sinners or people living in sin, which is under the rule of death. That means you're married to death in Adam, and now you're seeing the fruit of being under the power of mortality manifesting in you. That is what it is. Okay? 
He says, while we were in that condition, God entered that condition to save people that cannot help themselves. That is what he's saying. Romans 5.14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is a figure of him that was to come. Got it in all the notes there. You will see that Paul is actually saying here that he's annihilating every form of Judaism here. He is saying that death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that have not sinned in the similitude of Adam's transgression. Who did not sin in the similitude of Adam's transgression? Abraham and some of the old faith heroes did not. Especially, I would believe, the focus here would be Abraham. Because the Jews would have found a loophole and they would have said, well, you know, Abraham was before the law. And because Abraham was before the law and the law is now bringing forth and manifesting the power of sin, we are excluded as Jews because we are sons of Abraham. But what Paul is saying is, is that death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that have not sinned in the similitude of Adam's transgression, meaning Adam was walking in unbelief, but these people believed God. Abraham. Abraham believed God, but he was still physically dying. So that means he believed God. He trusted that God would bring forth the Messiah. It was accounted to him for righteousness. But now the Jews come and they cling on to the fact that they are sons of Abraham, descendants of Abraham. Therefore, they say, well, we are qualified because we are Jews. But Abraham, but, but Paul is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Death also reigned over the physical flesh of Abraham. And if you are his descendants, it means you are also born of corruptibility. You need salvation. You're in the same sinking ship as all the Gentiles. That is what he's saying there. We can see in Romans, in John chapter 8, the very same thing, where these people called themselves the seed of Abraham. And Jesus said to them, you're basically the seed of the devil because you want to kill me, but you're physically, physical descendants of Abraham. What, mean, what means is, they said that they've got Abraham as their father, but they still had the fruit of the devil in them in wanting to kill Jesus. John chapter 8. Jesus said, if you were true children of Abraham, you, were, you would have believed in me. But now, because you make your boast in the physical descent of Abraham, you just find the death of the devil even in you. You are opposing life. So, uh, let us just take this together. Uh, Romans 12, 13, and 14 is simply saying one little thing. It is saying death reigned from Adam unto Moses. Death reigned from Adam unto Moses. The fruit of being under the rule of death is sins, and these sins lead unto the full accomplishment of death in our lives. So what needs to change is the rule of death needs to be taken away. We need to now be under the rule of life. Then this rule of life needs to bring forth fruit in our lives. Now let's go to verse 15. But not as the offense, so is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many died, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, by uh, which is by one man Jesus Christ has abounded unto many. So what he's saying is, if death could reach all people groups, this is verse 15, if death could reach both Jew and Gentile through Adam, much more can God's grace reach all people groups. That's all that verse 15 tries to say. I found in Romans 5 and 6, we try to read 
deeper things into this because of our definitions of sin, and we are missing what Paul is simply saying. The simplicity of this is, let me take verse 14, 12 to 14, and then verse 15. 12 to 14 says this, Death became the ruler through Adam, and that passed to all people groups. And this ruled from Adam to Moses, even over old Abraham. So we cannot have any life in ethnicity, physical, physical descent, or any of those things. But let me give you some good news. As death was able to reach all people groups, how much more don't you think the grace of God will reach all people groups? Now you want to say, no, it can only reach the Jews, and we need to Judaize people. If death could reach Jew and Gentile, how can grace not also reach all people groups? That is what Paul is saying. Verse 16, and I've got some notes there that you can go through and, and, and read on this. Verse 16, and not as by the one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. What he's saying in verse 16 is that under Adam, there was judgment unto condemnation, meaning death could take place when you were under the rule of the disobedience of Adam. But he says it's not that way under Christ. It means that under Christ you can never be condemned unto death. Christ can never bring forth sins in your life. Christ can never bring forth the fruit of the flesh in your life. None of that. So under Christ it's not as under Adam. Under Adam there was condemnation unto death. Under Christ there is blessing unto life. Verse 17, for as by... Uh, one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign under the reign in life or reign because they now have the resurrection life of God in Christ. For by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive the grace of God and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. So all he's saying is, if Adam could bring you death, and you are now in Christ, there's a greater opportunity to have the fruit of life in you than what there was to have death in you. Verse 18, Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one shall the free gift come upon all men unto justification of life. What is he saying? He's saying in all these verses just one thing. He's not trying to get technical into how life works. He's actually just saying one simple thing which any person can understand, and this is it. If death could bring forth all the fruit of the flesh in all nations, then Christ, in his life, how much more can he now that he has conquered death, bring forth in all nations... And in these all nations, whosoever believes. How, can he, how much more can he not bring forth life into those people's lives? And again, in the notes, I've got a lot there that you can read. Verse 20, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. And I want to stand still at this passage. The law entered that the offense might abound. Now, the way I understand that in the light of Romans 7, Paul says, I was alive without the law, meaning after I received Jesus, I was full of life. But when I became legalistic, then I found sin reviving me. And then I came to the conclusion 
that the problem is not me not doing the law. I thought the problem was me not doing the law. But then I realized that the problem is much bigger. The problem is not me not doing the law. The problem is I am mortal. So sin abounded. It became bigger. The transgression, I thought the transgression was me not obeying the law. But now I found that my problem, the missing the goal, I thought I was missing the goal by not obeying the law. But I found I was missing the goal by being mortal. That makes the problem much bigger. So the law entered so that we could see, or the Jews could see, that their flesh is mortal and the true problem is mortality and that from the flesh life cannot produce because wretched man that I am, I need salvation from the body of death. So the problem is not sexual lust, according to Paul. The problem is not desire, according to Paul, where you're not obeying the law. The problem is, I am mortal and I need salvation from death. So sin abounded through the law, meaning that it became a bigger problem. But where sin became bigger, meaning it was defined as death as the root of it, grace abounded even more. How? By raising Jesus from the dead. Glory to God. I, I hope that I can hear in the spirit people clapping their hands as you hear this revelation straight from heaven. Glory to God. So what is the abounding of sin? And as I study these things, I start to understand more. How does sin abound under the law? It abounded unto, it's not just me not obeying, it abounded unto a bigger problem. I'm a mortal. But where sin abounded and it was now imputed, the sin was imputed unto death, meaning death is the real issue, God's grace abounded even more. How did it abound even more? It conquered the problem by, raise, by the resurrection of Jesus and then putting him at the right hand of the Father from where he now rules over all sin and death, wherein it is Jesus now taking the manifestation of all of the fruit of the flesh, ending the manifestation of all the fruit of the flesh, and how? By his resurrected flesh, and so bringing life and immortality to light through Jesus. Hallelujah. So it says that as sin has reigned unto death, so sin has reigned the inability of man has reigned, had a rule in this life unto death, not unto just as leading unto, but also unto or ruling under the power of death, which eventually would lead unto death. Grace might reign through the righteous act of God. In other words, the divine influence of God might reign through the, divine, through the righteous act of God, bringing forth holiness in our lives, leading unto or being under the rule of eternal life. Then I end off with this, chapter 6, verse 1. Shall we therefore continue under sin? Shall we therefore continue under the thing where it shows what the true problem is? So that we would need a resurrection. Shall we continue under the old? God forbid. God has stopped the legalistic system. Don't you know that you that were baptized into Christ were baptized into, I am no more Jew and no more Gentile. 
Glory to God. Well, that is what I wanted to say. I don't want to repeat myself again. So I just end it there. Thank you so much for watching. Please listen to this message several times. Do it also prayerfully, reading the scripture as you are a, 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 a Berean studying the scripture, seeing if what I said is true or not. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you for everybody that is traveling with us to Zambia, although you might be sitting in Europe or in Singapore or in America or somewhere in Africa, traveling with us through, via Facebook. Aubrey, my oldest son, and me, we're going on a nice trip together. Uh, I think it's about four days drive up. On the way, we've, we will drive maybe seven hours a day. And then we're going to stop at some places, catch some fish, enjoy some good time together. And then the next morning at about five, six, uh, hit the road again. And so drive up, up to Zambia, where we'll be drilling two wells and planting two churches. So I'm very excited about it. I will keep you guys updated. Thank you for traveling with me. Uh, if everything goes well, we're leaving on Wednesday. See you then again on the road. God bless. Yeah.